It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. My guest today is Michael Lynn Harris, formerly the president and CEO of Elpro Services. Michael Lynn started as a sales manager at Elpro back in 2009 and became CEO in 2017 of the U.S. subsidiary of Swiss-based Elpro Group. Leveraging experience in organizational change and business strategy, Michael Lynn positioned the company to disrupt a competitive and growing market by completely redefining the subsidiary's organizational and financial focus, doubling staff and revenue in the short term. During her tenure, Michael Lynn has negotiated strategic selling partnerships to expand the company's sales and service footprint in the U.S. and spearheaded numerous continuous improvement initiatives. She saw the opportunity to reshape the company from the ground up, and the most fulfilling part of her journey was redefining their culture and aligning with profitability. Michael Lynn also leads projects to engage employees and community fundraisers and has a passion for fostering the growth of women in business leadership roles. She's a member of the Entrepreneurship Advisory Board at Marietta College, where she received her BS in biochemistry. She also holds an MBA from New York Institute of Technology. Michael Lynn Harris, welcome into the corner office. Hi, Brent. How are you? Ah, great, great. Great to have you here today. And we had a chance to chat, oh gosh, I guess a few weeks ago and got to know each other a little bit. It's great to be able to have you here on our show. And, you know, we're going to kind of start in the beginning. We always like to kind of understand people's and our CEO guest foundational beginnings. So tell us a little bit about your early years, you know, where you grew up and what your early family life was like. Absolutely. I grew up in rural West Virginia. Um, so a, a town called Parkersburg, uh, born and raised here, only child. And uh, I have absolutely no complaint about my upbringing. <laughs> <laughs> What's it closest to? Is it is it uh, near the border, you know, getting close to Virginia? Are you on the other side of uh, the state? Just give us a little bit of a geographic lesson as to where. Yeah, um, I am on the Ohio border. Ohio border. About okay. an hour and 45 minutes from Columbus. Yeah, yeah, lovely. And uh, mom and dad, what did they do? What was their... Uh, careers while you were growing up? Mom was a teacher. Okay. Dad was a welder. And mm-hmm. uh interesting thing about my dad was he was deaf. 
So I have very much an understanding and appreciation for for that. Did you learn ASL as a kid? No, he was a lip reader. A lip reader, wow. So I got away with zero. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome, awesome. And uh, dad uh, uh, was a welder all his whole life, kind of grew up on the blue collar side. Did he come from that background? Yeah. Very much blue collar. My family um, is from two parts of very rural West Virginia. One is Roane County. Okay. which is in the center. And then the other one is uh, Cairo, Got it. West Virginia. Got it. Yeah. And mom was from the same part of the state? Right. Uh-huh. Awesome. Awesome. What were some of the things that, you know, kind of most inspired you growing up? You know, mom and dad, teachers, coaches, what were the kind of things that, you know, you can kind of dig back into your memory that were early influencers? Digging back, um, I had uh, an uncle who was a CEO, and that Mm -hmm. arm of the family was very much involved in business. He was the mayor of our town. I know him. I never met him, but um, his son uh, was a CEO as well, and I always admired them. It drove me, if you will. Yeah, yeah. What businesses were they in? Uh, construction. Construction. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And that was mom's dad side or dad's side? Dad. Dad's side. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Mm-hmm. What kind of a student were you in school? A plus. <laughs> You're out there to perform, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, how early did you kind of have your sights on business then? Um, I would say not until college. Okay. Um, I really wanted to go to med school and mm. then business was maybe after that. Um, I opted out of med school. I didn't have that acumen. I'm very self-aware in that regard and did not have that med school uh, drive. Yeah, I, you know, it was. Wise, did you yeah. did you take some kind of pre med classes? I, I've heard organic organic chemistry is one of those ones that kind of sorts or, sorts through. At that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's wind it back a little bit. What about again, elementary, junior high, high school sports, music, theater? You know, what kind of other things were you involved with as a kid? Uh, sports, music. Um, I went to college on a piano scholarship. Um, oh. And uh, very much involved with both sides of my brain. Yeah, yeah. When did you start um, studying the, sp- the piano, throwing the piano? I was about nine. Wow, wow, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, cool. Not way, way back, not not five, but yeah. young enough. Yeah, and did you do a lot of performances in you know, high school and junior high school? Was that kind of part of the, the curriculum, so to speak? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I feel that that really shapes who I am mm. um, and gave me an awesome memory as well. Huh. Yeah. Memorizing music, of course, isn't easy. <laughs> right. Muscle memory, brain memory, all of that is very much um, an acumen in that yeah. regard. Yeah. What about entrepreneurial things? Were you doing anything like that in your younger years? Um, I was five. And I put out a sign in my yard that I would do uh, manicures for 
<laughs> You're yeah. five years old. Wait a minute. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> you do manicures and what else? Pedicures too? Or was it no, uh, only just manicures? Yeah. Oh, I was my very, very awesome at that at five. Obviously. I love that. And did, <laughs> I mean, who came? Were the, like the ladies in the neighborhood lining no up? One. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hopefully at least a friend or two of your moms or somebody, right? No one. Oh, I'm pretty oh, sure no one. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't get discouraged? No, of yeah. course not. I yeah. was hell bent on um, charging <laughs> five, five cents for a manicure. Wow. Wow. Cardboard sign uh, in the front yard. I love that. I love that. <laughs> Did mom and dad get a picture of that? That would be priceless. Absolutely I have priceless. No idea. <laughs> you call that my first business. <laughs> I love it. Well, what did you graduate onto in in terms of your entrepreneurial prowess from there? You know, I honestly put that aside. It wasn't yeah. on my radar. Yeah. Uh, but I had a knack for sales. Yeah. It. it came very naturally to me and I thought well I want to be a drug rep I worked mm. in a physician office in college and and thought well I would love that job and so I ah. set my sight on that yeah yeah and and went on to school and I, I'm assuming mom obviously had her teaching credentials right I mean mm -hmm. did she graduate and have an undergraduate degree as well she did. She did. Both of my parents went to WVU, Morgantown. Okay. Yeah, cool. And you went to Marietta College, which is, right. is that local to it West Virginia? Not too far from away, right? right. And, and was that kind of a pre, you know, determined decision? Mom and dad kind of set you on the sights towards college in those early years? Or was it kind of a, you know, decision you made on your own? For college? Yeah. Um, I, I, it was a given yeah, yeah. Uh, what college was really up to me. Right. And my family, my uncle that I told you about went to Denison right. uh, University. Cool. Great yeah. school. Yeah. Uh, so I went there for about a half a semester and I made the horrible decision to drop out. And so I didn't finish there. I went to Marietta College. Yeah and finished um great school as well wonderful biochemistry program right right but once you achieved the degree kind of said mm, med school is not for me not for me it was about <laughs> halfway through and i said yeah. nope this is not my not my strength so did you go into sales right away what was that first job coming out of school um, I was in school and worked at a doctor's oh, office. Okay. Um, but coming out of school, I was driving past a car dealership with my boyfriend at the time. Yeah. And they had a hiring sign. Mm. In the window. Yeah. And he said, they would never hire a girl. <laughs> oh, he dared you. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, I bet they would. And they did on the spot. Um, I lasted an hour. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. turned you off about it? Um, I was like, wow, I love cars, but 
I don't want to put in that kind of hours. Yeah. Those guys work so hard. Crazy. I was twenty-one and uh, had fun on my mind, you know. Right. Sure. And weekend work, um, it just wasn't my my thought there. Right. Right. But you eventually got into pharma sales, right? Now, was that was that the first job out of school, or or a couple of others after that? No, uh, my very first job out of school was I sold cell phones. Ah, bag phones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll talk about my age there for a minute, but I did that for a short time. Wonderful company, um, and then I went to work. I thought, well, I have a degree in biochem i will go work mm. in a lab and i did yeah, yeah. and uh, from there they said hey why don't you do sales probably because i was horrible <laughs> i i would say they probably saw your sales aptitude early <laughs> on right let's right, let's right. But, let's 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 call it like that thanks <laughs> And so you transferred from uh, that department, or did you actually leave that company and go into another one? No, um, yeah. they had this program that I would work in all of the departments of the lab and then go into sales. So right. that was such valuable yeah. training, actually. Yeah, absolutely. great backgrounds. And well, and having they, the educational background too, right? Knowing chemistry and, you know, how these drugs are put together, I guess, to a certain degree, or at least the chemical right. background so it behind an it. Environmental lab, so okay. soil, okay. water, um, and that type of, of testing. But I, I did that, went into sales. I don't have the uh, personality to be alone. I am very much an extrovert, so mm. suited to the sales side. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And uh, that eventually led, obviously, to your joining LPRO. And gosh, you started as a sales manager, right? Now, when did you first start managing people? When was the first time that you kind of had, you know, leadership responsibilities? Was it back in the pharma sales? At LPRO by chance, really. Yeah. And then I became a sales manager maybe after a year or two and managed people naturally. Um, after about three years with them, I started to hire a sales organization and uh, built it from there. And they were were they pretty small at the time? Did you join them in their early days, or had they very been much. fairly well established? Yeah, yeah, very much uh, yeah. small. I yeah. was number eight wow. in the U.S. Yeah. Wow, cool. And and how many employees uh, at the time that you left? Uh, Forty-five. Wow, cool. Cool. Mm-hmm. Great. And, and left as president. So I, yeah, I think one of the things we talked about <clears throat> when we uh, first met was how rare uh, do I run across CEOs, both in our recruiting work, but also guests on the program that have kind of come in at, you know, entry level, early mid management positions that, that make it all to all the way to the top. It, is that something you had your eyes set on when you first joined? No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that kind of became after I had been there for a while, but I joined Elpro honestly by chance really? and had 
um, worked for a pharma company that was small startup. Yeah. And they closed. So I had no job at the time. And honestly, I had just wanted employment. Right. I didn't care what it was um, and ended up at Elpro. Yeah. 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 Cool. And kind of came up through sales, uh, VP sales, yeah. and then the present overall. And then the right. company was recently purchased, correct? Or was, It was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's recently led to your departure. Um, so, so tell us a little bit about Elpro because it's a fascinating company in terms of, you know, kind of their uh, entry. Originally Swiss, is that right? Isn't that where they got started? Or They are Swiss. So they are Swiss, yeah. It was a Swiss or is a Swiss uh, company um, privately held for a very long time and still is. And uh, they have a a wonderful organization because what they do is temperature monitoring for drug storage and shipment. Oh, and very important. What that means for the population is if you had a COVID vaccine, uh, then Alpro could have been involved. If you take a drug at any point, we could have been involved in that drug life cycle. Wow. Um, it is so important for um, medication to be at the proper temperature right, for right. efficacy. Yeah. So that is why it is important. Yeah. Yeah. So it's essentially, is it is it packaging or is it actually monitoring that the, the product that, uh, or the service that Elpro provides? Or is it both? Uh, we are not a packager. So right. uh, they provide our widget, if you will, right. or a sensor. Um, two ways. One is for drug shipment monitoring, and the other is for storage. Got it. So Got it. Cool. whether a drug is shipped or stored, it has to be at the proper temperature. Yeah, yeah. That's very important in terms of efficacy. Uh -huh. Got it. Yep. So share us with some of the kind of the leadership lessons along the way. You were there for, I guess, a little over 13 years, close to 14 years from, right. from what I've been told. And, and uh, you know, you obviously uh, grew that organization or grew with that organization as you went. What, what were some of the leadership lessons you learned along the way? I think my most important lesson was to go with your gut. Mm. You know, that... Um, Inherit intuition is so important. Yeah. Uh, numbers can tell you anything, but if your gut says, nope, this is off, then it is for a reason. Follow it. Yeah. And also, I think, secondly, to become fearless. Hmm. Because people look up to you. They hang on every word. Right. So if, if there is a sense of um, uncertainty, then that translates everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So critical. So critical. And um, uh, the uh, uh, growth that you went through during that period of time, you know, as you said, you, you didn't start there with expecting to become CEO. <laughs> yeah. how, how did that kind of evolve over time? I became hell-bent. Yeah. So um, I have uh, a drive internally hmm. and i knew um from being in sales that i could do that job and i watched my predecessor and 
his method and excellent salesperson. And I thought I could manage people mm. just because I relate to them so well. So I accomplished that. And I'm also a um, strategy person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think it comes naturally. So I thought, well, I know that if we had this type of strategy in place, that we could grow it. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and that was apparent that that works. But I, I think it came very naturally to um, transition into that role. Just right. because I believed in myself that mm. I could. Any mentors along the way? Absolutely. I've yeah. had so many. Yeah. Um, I have had some fantastic coaches. I have had connections along the way. Um, my uncle as well has helped. And I am fortunate to have a network of people that I can reach out to even now. And I have um, in a transition period and say, hey, what do you think about this? Mm. And that has been so helpful. You know, so many people, particularly rising executives, and, and, and maybe it's a gender thing. I think this is probably more male than female. But, you know, it's kind of like if I ask for help, it's like showing weakness. Right. You know, I, I don't yeah. want to necessarily, you know, demonstrate that because I've got to be strong. I've got to be successful. How did you kind of overcome that or did that never even cross your mind? Were you always someone that, you know, would look to a coach or look to a teacher to, you know, help guide you along the way? It is funny you say that because in my mind, you are 100 percent right. I will figure it out on my own. Mm. But um, I think on a personal level, reaching out to a coach, I would reach out to them for a different reason other than um, a problem I was having. It was more of a strategy. Um, hey, what do you think about this mm. approach? Mm. Not really from a problem perspective. Yeah. And so if I was having a problem... And I think that is an important takeaway as well. Always ask for help. Mm. I would right. lean on my own team for help and for discussion. But I always felt if it was in my wheelhouse, then that was my problem to solve. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. And I, I like what you said about <clears throat> particularly early stage, right? When you're kind of deducting your way through or trying to establish it, that's really a good time to seek input too, right? Yes. In, in, in terms of kind of getting other people's opinions. I, I've always thought of myself as kind of that deductive learner. Give me as much information as I can. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to get paralyzed by it, but, but I want right, to have, right. make sure I've got my arms around, you know, as much knowledge about the subject and, and seeking others' opinion to, to go down that road, you know, and, I think and help. There is a difference in seeking an opinion about a strategy. Hmm or about a challenge that comes up versus uh, solving a problem. Help me with this problem. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I've, um, 
recently heard someone said this, that, you know, CEOs can be uh, uncomfortable having their answers questioned rather than their questions answered. (laughs) (laughs) You know, tell me about how you kind of dealt with the folks that, you know, directly reported to you. Were you, you know, encourage an environment where the things that you would lay out, um, you know, would be open for discussion uh, or was there kind of a limited time on that happening? And okay, guys, now we all have to get together. We go make that. Tell, tell us a little bit how, without revealing anything, of course, confidential, how you go about making some of those those big, important business decisions, particularly among your executive team. I think a big, important business decision is a team decision. Mm. And putting that out to the management team is so important. So I always had an open discussion, open culture. That is why you hire a management team to question you. To uh, I think some of my favorite discussions were, hey, what are you thinking? Yeah, right. (laughs) And And it's the the silent person in the room (laughs) that you're most concerned about, right? (laughs) A company is successful because um, an executive uh, group can come together and say, guys, we have to talk about this or this isn't working. Uh, and we have to find out why, Yeah. or we want to pro- go in this direction, but so-and-so says, here's what challenges we're going to have. Right. And that right. is the most important part in using that those people around you are meant to challenge you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. If they're all yes men, what's the purpose of them even being in that role? Right. Right? They've got to be adding value. How would you say your leadership style has evolved over the years, you know, from first coming in as a sales manager at at sales pro and even before in your previous sales positions and uh, until you reach the corner office, if if you kind of look back over particularly that 13 to 15 year time period, what, what do you think you've changed the most or evolved the most? To be very honest with you, Brant, um, I used to see myself as a kid in the room. <laughs> and now I am still very young, um, comparably, but have that confidence to and say, well, I know... Um, I've always known uh, the answer or an input, but now I have that confidence to um, do that with um, more of a gusto behind it, mm. if you will. Yeah, yeah. And I don't doubt myself because uh, I'm young or because I'm a woman. It yeah. all is the same. We all yeah. put our pants on. This <laughs> That's right. That's right. You know, I, I heard a statistic recently, too, because you talked about being young. And, you know, mm-hmm. if you observe kids and have your own or maybe have an opportunity to watch others, up until the age of about 12 or 15, it's it's been proven that kids absorb about 70% of what they hear. But once we reach the age of about 25, it drops to 20 and continues to drop for the rest of our (laughs) life. Unless we write things down. If we write things down, they can retain it. But, you know, it's that curiosity of a child. I, some of the 
you know, most successful executives that I've had the privilege to work for and with and, and interview on the show, you know, have demonstrated that curiosity, you know, always being interested, always wanting to get the person in the room that's not talking, always, right. you know, wanting to learn and, and be curious about what's coming on. W- would you say you've experienced that? Has that been something that, you know, has been part of your journey? Absolutely. Yeah. I think, um, in part of my evolution, learning to read a room and yeah. and look at that body language of mm. that quiet person. Because you can tell if they want to say something and they're just uncomfortable. Yeah. Or if maybe they don't want to disagree. So calling them out and saying, hey, I would like to give... Um, this person the opportunity to talk um, and to calm down that room and let them listen is so important. Yeah. Yeah. Shift gears a little bit here. You know, you shared with me uh, when we had our briefing meeting that you've, you know, uh, gone through a pretty personal uh, challenge in these last couple of years. You've had some health issues and it's affected, you know, your communication. Um, and and uh, would love to just, you know, kind of hear a little bit about that journey and, and tell our audience, um, you know, kind of how, what happened and, and, you know, kind of how you're dealing with it. Sure, absolutely. And this ties into um, kind of why I am so passionate about um, uh, cold storage or what we would call cold shame as well. Mm-hmm. And so what happened was, uh, over COVID, I ended up with a tumor in my tongue. Mm. And uh, science is cool, right? So I was treated at Ohio State. And to be very blunt about what happened was it was a malignant tumor. Mm. And uh, it was quite sizable. So I went through about a nine and a half hour surgery to remove that. And um, they rebuilt half of my tongue and much of my mouth with my arm. So I have an arm tongue. (laughs) (laughs) So was it a grafting exercise? It was. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So uh, half of my mouth is my arm. And it... uh, it was a horrible experience. Mm. <laughs> I would Imagine. not do that again. <laughs> oh. But I uh, went through radiation, went through some treatment for that, yeah. and am so lucky to have had the support of my team, um, the support of a wonderful medical community. And, you know, I am very blessed to be 100% cancer free. That's just amazing. Great story. And did you have to go through speech therapy to kind of get back the use of it? Because I have to say, we spoke about a month or so ago, mm-hmm. you sound different. It sounds like, you know, maybe because we've spoken a couple of times, but, <laughs> but, but I mean, is it, is that something that you have to kind of relearn how to, to speak in many ways? It took about a year. Oh my gosh. I, um, I sounded like a dolphin for about uh, four months. <laughs> wow. And the letter S 
yeah. is uh, my nemesis. nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> so in my mind, uh, what I am doing is replacing words that I know are difficult with uh, ones that I know are easy. Mm, right. Right. And, and uh, uh, do you continue with therapy? To, and, and when was the therapy uh, or when was the operation completed? Was it about a year ago, year and a half no, ago? No, that was uh, three years ago. Three years ago. So right at the beginning of COVID. Yeah. At, in the height of COVID. Oh my gosh. Oh. I was the first patient to go through um, that type of surgery Incredible. at Ohio State yeah. um, during the COVID uh, restrictions. So I was by myself oh, in... Um, in the ICU at OSU for a week <laughs> without being able to talk. Yeah. So oh my gosh. I don't and no and no one being able to visit because you were in a hospital no. that was under right. you know quarantine. Oh right. Gosh. Wow. So talk about a group of nurses who are phenomenal. Yeah. It was them. Yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. Oh gosh. Great story. Well, you know, c- c- congratulations and just the, really the wonderful best of luck as you continue your recovery. But I it, honestly, it's, it, it's, uh, it does sound, you know, d- different, uh, as I said, even in the last you know month or so that we were there. Oh, do you, do you do therapy? I mean, is there something that you have to continue to do or is it just practicing every day or just having normal communications? This is going to sound really strange, but it depends on the time of day. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, so now it is early. I haven't spoken much right. today, yeah. but I just get tired. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, right, right. Uh, but yeah, it took about a year to relearn um, wow. the letter S. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you for sharing that. And, yeah, and you know, uh, what a wonderful, I mean, not a wonderful thing that happened, but a wonderful story in terms of how you overcome it and met it and, and work through it. And, you know, the wonderful support you got there at Ohio State University. Yeah. Thank you. Who you are. Shifting back to kind of company stuff, and, and we're, I know we're just out of time, but I had a few other questions I wanted to ask. And, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, what you look for when you're making bets on the people you invest in and hire. I think culture is everything. So when you look at a person, um, it's very simple. Can the people work with them? Will they fit in well? And can they do the job? Mm -hmm. And you can train someone on a technical aptitude, but if they don't fit with that organization, then... um, it's going to be difficult. Yeah. So yeah. culture is number one, always. How do you get at that? How do you, do you have some special interview questions? How, you know, how, how do you kind of get into that? Because that's not an easy one. You know, I, 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 you know, one of the things that we do in our practice is I always tell my CEOs, look, you know, any recruiting gets you a hundred, if not a thousand resumes that fit the qualifications, but right. being able to really understand your culture, being able to articulate that and importantly interview against that, that's as much art as science. So do you have some special questions? How do you, you know, how do you observe that for the companies that were most recently, obviously Pro that you would hire people into? I think one of the most important aspects that I have learned is not telling but asking yeah. 
So asking that candidate what um, drives them, mm. what type of culture works best for them, mm. and learning what makes sense for them. What is their expectation? So if they have an expectation that doesn't match, then right. you might have to explore that further. But yeah. tell me about yourself. Tell yeah. me what drives you. Tell me what you are looking for. Right. Because right. if if not, um, if they weren't qualified, we wouldn't be having that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Well, we've got one last question as we're almost out of time. And, you know, that's just kind of what career and life advice would you give to someone that maybe has their eyes on the corner office themselves someday? The most important advice for anyone is to believe in yourself. Have mm. that confidence and know your worth. Don't sell yourself short. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely clear. Hi, Colin Harris, most recently the president and CEO of North America at Pro Services. Thank you so very much for sharing your journey into the corner office. Thanks, Brent. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brant, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.